Welcome to the Healing Tree Podcast. A journey in discovering God's healing ministry for us. Simplifying the story of the Bible and the mission of Jesus through the lens of a tree. And an invitation to experience a transformation that takes place when we're connected with our Creator. Hello everyone, I'm Ajwa. And I'm Lauren. We just want to welcome you to our next episode of Healing Tree. Um, today we're going to be looking a little bit more at the water, which is again part of our meal series. And so we're going to be looking more specifically at how um, the water is a symbol of baptism and what that does for us. Yeah, and last week we talked a little bit about water and how it was a place of healing, a place of restoration. It was a place that brings life and that we are like trees and like trees, we should be planted by waters, God's waters, which is his spirit. And we should take up the water through our roots and the water coming into us will produce change and God will establish his home in our hearts. Um, so now we will go deeper into water. So just as a recap um, we've been looking back at Ezekiel 47, just kind of as our anchor text. And so we want to go ahead and read that again. So I'll read uh, Ezekiel 47 verses 1 to 5. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time, the water was up to my knees. And another, after another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, the river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of this stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. So as we kind of think about those verses and about water and how Water is a transforming power. It's a healing power, and it um, really washes our sins away. There was someone else that in the Bible who called a lot of people to water, mm -hmm. and his name was John. He was known as John the Baptist. And so John, um, he had an interesting life. He grew up um, eating interesting things out in the wilderness, um, developed a solid relationship with God while he was out there. And he was charged with this mission. And his mission was to prepare the way for Jesus to come. And so um, what he would do is he would go to the waters of the Jordan River and around the rivers in their, in their area and would call out people and say, hey, you need to come and be baptized. You need to repent from your sins and be baptized. What does repent mean? What does that mean? 
Yeah, when um, I hear the word repent, I think of turning away from something. Um, yeah, it's kind of like being done with something that you had before. Like maybe you've had a bad habit and it's like, oh, I'm just so frustrated by this thing and I just want to be done with it. And so you turn away from that. Yeah, it's like a turnaround. It's again, like a call to change. Mm-hmm. Um, and so John was calling people to come to these waters again. And it, it, it's again is like his message matches with what the work of the water, which is the spirit of God is doing in our lives to come and be changed, to come and turn away from the things that will lead to our destruction. And um, when Jesus was here on the earth, he talked specifically about this. Like, what does it mean to, you know, go through the waters of baptism? What does it mean to be born again? And that's how he described it. Um, and so there's a passage when he was talking to uh, one, of the, one of the church leaders at that time that came to him asking about the things that he was teaching and what he was about. And Jesus told him about this concept of being born again. And so we're going to go ahead and read that in John 3, verses 3 to 7. It says, Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. What do you mean? exclaimed Nicodemus. How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Yeah, so this is kind of an interesting passage because um, how can somebody, you know, enter a mother's womb and like experience birth again? That sounds horrible and painful, you know? <laughs> so um And as Jesus explained, he was like, that's not exactly what I meant when I said that, but it's a spiritual birth. Uh, What do you think that means, Lauren? (laughs) Yeah, I was just thinking that as you were saying it. Um, Yeah, we've been talking about, you know, getting new life, being renewed. um, And I kind of think, you know, it's like, if you go through this experience, you're still going to be yourself. Like you still have the same upbringing and background, all these things about your life that make you who you are but it's almost like being changed into like a better version of yourself. Um, I think we all have things that we can see in our lives that, you know, we wish were different things that we wish that maybe we didn't do or certain habits or certain things that we say or certain activities that we do that we wish were different. And so this is kind of like saying that this is the way that you do it is through the Holy Spirit um, to live a life that is more enjoyable, more pleasing, um, something that makes God happy. Um, that this is the way you do it is through his Holy Spirit. Yeah. And so um, he says, born of water and the spirit. And so again, here we see this parallel between water and the spirit. And um, it connects to John's message with baptism and what that means. If you're not familiar with what baptism is, um, what it is, biblically speaking, is when people who choose to follow Christ, they have an outward ritual display, whatever you want to call it, where the preacher or the pastor is the one officiating the baptism and the person that wants to be baptized um, is kind of led and 
helps to go under the water completely submerged mm-hmm. under the water um for you know not longer than a couple seconds and then brought back out of the water and so that whole motion is very symbolic where we go under the water and experience like a certain what is called like a death where we the things that you know like our sins are now dying or now dead Mm -hmm. and then when the when the person comes back out of the water it's like you are now reborn as a new person and so that's the symbol that baptism is now it doesn't necessarily mean that you know when you go and you're like dunked in the water all of a sudden like magically like I know. <laughs> now sinless and like you now need to be like sinless forever and you can never sin um while on this earth but rather it's a symbol of the process that takes place over time through the work of the spirit and so when we choose to get baptized it is a a sense marriage ceremony where we are committing our lives to to god and saying yeah like what i've learned so far about the lord i am convinced and i want him to be part of my life forever and so it's a realization whether or not um the baptism ceremony takes place the spirit is already working in that person's life exactly i really like the way that you explained that and i like how you compared it with marriage um because just in the same way when people get married the love between them is already there the ceremony is just a way to show that with other people and it's like a declaration to family and friends and whoever else hasn't been invited that you know these people love each other and are joining their lives together um and like Ajo was saying you know just as in baptism when you come out even though it's symbolic of this like spiritual death to um to who you used to be and the life that you used to live before Christ and you come out and are kind of like resurrected in a sense to a new life just as in marriage Um, When people get married, they're not perfect. And after they say their vows and, you know, say, oh, I'm going to, you know, um, you know, take care of you until the end of our days and, you know, for better or for worse and all these things that they promise, obviously they live in their lives um, to the best of their ability to uphold those things, but they're definitely not perfect. And we know that, um, you know, there are issues and things that come up in marriage and every other relationship, but those people have committed themselves to say that, Um, despite whatever may come our way, whatever challenges, we're committed to working through them together and to learning and growing more about each other and learning how to show each other love um, even better than we did before. Yeah, exactly. So it definitely is, it's a parallel too. um, Because when we make a decision that we want God to be with us the rest of our lives, it is that it is a process it is a lifelong process where we live we learn we fall we get up Um, so many falls (laughs) so many falls and we get up and god is patient with us where like he's like you know i'm here we'll work well let's try this again let's try this again um it's not he he doesn't get tired of keeping on picking us up from our failures um, but rather in our failures, those are the, the, the times when we need him most. And like we mentioned before, there's a, there's a text, I think it's in Ephesians, um, where 
it says where sin abounds, grace abounds more. And so, you know, we really, you know, need to cling to to Christ, especially in those moments, because those are the moments and the times where the cleansing power really does the most powerful work. Exactly. And it's cool how the spirit works too, because it is like a cleansing, but it's not just a one-time thing. Um, we actually are able to ask for the spirit each day, which is a really beautiful thing because um, in our in our human nature, the way that we are without God, um, we constantly turn to sin. We turn to these things that aren't the best for us, but um, you know, like we mentioned before, provide temporary pleasure, um, things that that we want, but might not be the best for us in the long run. Um, and so it's like a daily thing that you have to go through of just going to God and asking for his help to live, to live the way that he wants us to. And it's the spirit that does that. And so it's, it's beautiful that um, we have a God that we can go to on a daily basis and ask for strength and help. And this process of becoming more like God is actually called sanctification. And it's the Holy Spirit that initiates this work and keeps it going. And I know I'm super thankful because, you know, again, on our own, we cannot do that. And it really is a gift from God. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a huge gift. It's a huge gift. And we, we really cannot do it on our own. Um, it's, you know, it doesn't take long to figure that out, um, that we really can't carry this, this load by ourselves. And back to, you know, the born again and water and the spirit. Think about it. Like, how does a seed start growing? So as a seed is buried underground and comes into contact with water, the water does amazing work in the seed where it causes the hard parts of the seeds to soften and become more fluid. And as the seed takes in more of the water, the water activates certain enzymes and proteins which cause the seed to transform and start producing roots. And the roots now start being more efficient at taking in more nutrients. And as more nutrients come into the plant, it starts becoming a sprout and it sprouts out of the ground and now it's able to access sunlight and just grow and grow and grow. So it takes a while before we actually see the plant sprout out from the ground. And lo and behold, all of this work has been going on underneath the ground before we even could see it. It's kind of like how the spirit works, isn't it? And so it's the same way with, um, you know, our journey with God. Once, once we make that decision, once, once we, it clicks in our minds, like, wow, like God is real. He exists and like, he loves me so much and he did so much for me. I want, I want more of this. I want, you know, I, I really yearn to have a relationship with God and desire that picture that as the seed being planted and it starts this process of new growth new life where um the old has gone and the new is beginning and it's a growth process and it takes pruning it takes cultivating it takes all of this um you know work before it can 
become a mighty tree that's beautiful and like producing all of these fruits and like leaves and you know mighty it's time but it's it's a beautiful process that takes place and this is what jesus is getting at here you must be born again um no one can come enter the kingdom of god without being born again and um you know humans can only reproduce human life but the holy spirit gives birth to spiritual life so don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. Exactly. And I think it's important to highlight, too, that, um, yeah, there's a verse in John 12, 24. It says, uh, where Jesus was speaking, he said, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. And you might be wondering, you know, why is it that I have to die to or why did the, the things that I used to do, uh, my old self have to die um, in order for me to receive this new life. I guess um, one way to think of it maybe is, you know, let's say that you want to remodel your house or your apartment, wherever it is that you live, in order to be able to put in new furniture, you have to get rid of the old. You can't have all of that stuff together. Um, you know, first of all, there probably won't be enough space for it, but also to just be cluttered and, you know, maybe the designs of the furniture don't mix. Um, and so it just wouldn't look quite right, right? you would need to, to get rid of the old in order to receive the new. And so it's the same thing with the spirit. God wants it to be this, this whole new experience where everything is revived, revitalized, so that there's nothing to interfere with that. And like we talked about in our previous episode, sin is something that separates us from God. And so removing those things out of our lives that separate us from him, when we receive the spirit, it can truly do its work and we can be united with God um, as he works in us and, and truly lives in us. And that's what the spirit promises is to actually dwell within us, which I think is absolutely amazing that God, um, the creator, the just amazing being that he is, that he actually wants to live within us, people who are so messed up and sinful. And it's just like, wow, like, it's just amazing and mind boggling. That is amazing. Um, and I thank God because there's a lot of work that needs to be done on me. <laughs> oh, yes. Me too. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, you know, in those moments of regret, in those moments of guilt and shame, um, it's like, how do I even come back to God? I mean, like, if I messed up somebody else, like, if I did something wrong to somebody else, like, I'm sure they wouldn't want to see my face. Like, if I offended someone, it'll be hard to even face them you know um and I know there's many times when I feel like I've messed up so bad that like I would be like you know if I was God I wouldn't want to see me either you know <laughs> like I wouldn't want to talk to me either right now um but thank God he's not like us and in those moments you know when we've done wrong he's not the one who's going to be pointing fingers and like being like, uh, see, I told you, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> or like zapping us for doing us wrong, but rather he opens his arm wide and um, welcomes us in and he's like, hey, look, I know you messed up, but hey, I'm here to wash you clean and we're, let's start again. Let's try again tomorrow. It's a new day, new fresh. Let's do this again. And um, the spirit works patiently with us. Um, his psalm, psalmist, um, Psalms 51 really gets at this here. And if you don't know the story of David, um, he's the one that wrote this psalm. He committed this really, really terrible sin where he 
took someone else's wife and then killed her husband because he wanted her so bad. And he was king, so he could do whatever he wanted. Um, and so he realized the weight of his error um, after one of his prophets, which were people that were put in place that God gave messages directly to them, uh, told him and was like, hey, like what you did was kind of messed up. <laughs> um, and, um, he kind of did it in like a very creative way where he gave a, another story, which was very similar to his. And David was like, oh, that's messed up. Who would ever do such a thing? Like this person deserves to be put to death, you know? But then he was like, like, oh, oh but you, you kind of <laughs> did the same thing. And he was just like, oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oops. Um, and so he felt so, you know, he felt so sad. He felt like, I really, you know, I, I did terrible this time. I killed someone and I took their wife and I had a child with her and it's just a mess. Um, he wrote this song. He wrote this song. And this is Psalms 51, 1 to 2, and then verses 10 to 13 says, Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. Because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. Do not banish me from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to rebels and they will return to you. So beautiful. I really love in this passage, like not just this uh, psalm, but all of the psalms that David wrote, which are basically like songs. Um, I just love how honest he is about his feelings. And, you know, it's crazy, you know, just hearing about his life. We said, you know, what he did that led up to him writing the psalm. And it's crazy that he did all of those things. But you know what God called him? He called him a man after my own heart. And I just think that's, yeah, it's just beautiful that God can look on us like that. And I think one of the reasons why um, is just because David, even though he fell many times like we do in our lives, he always came back to God. And you know, he's just so open and candid with God here. Um, you know, he's like, just wash me from my guilt, creating me a clean heart, and even ask God to help him to be willing to obey. He recognizes in his own life that he doesn't even have the will to do that or doesn't have the strength to actually obey God. And so he just asks God, um, you know, unashamedly, I, I need you to help me to even do what you asked me to do. I want to do it, but I find that I can't really, I don't really have it in me to do that. Um, and so I think that that's such a good example for us to just be open with God and, you know, David or other people that come to God like this, um, you know, this has to be founded on something. And I think it just goes to show the depth of his relationship with God. And I think the same thing for us when we, as we come to know God more and more, the more comfortable we will be in, you know, being like this with him of just being open and saying exactly what's on our hearts because he will be a friend to you. He won't be, you know, this mysterious being that you've heard about, but it's like, wow, this is my God. This is the God that I speak to every day, that I read his word every day. I know him. I have a relationship with him. And because of the love that I've seen in him and the character that I've come to know, I know that if I go to him, even though I might feel horribly about what I've done and I might feel ashamed, I know that he will receive me with open arms. Mm. Yeah. And it's just incredible that like David did like some of the most heinous 
I mean, not a lot of people kill people, but he killed people, you know, he killed someone. Um, and still, he was able to still be called a man after God's own heart. So, you know, if you feel like you've done something horrible that like even God can't reach your, your whatever you've done, that's a lie. It's a, it's a lie. Um, no matter how far you feel like you've gone from God's path for you, he is willing to, there's a story where he's willing to leave the 99 people that are, you know, in his fold and go after that one person who is way far off. So he's, um, like we mentioned before, God is like persistent with us. He's constantly going after us, is recklessly loving us lavishly, even in the moments where we are hurting him the most. And when he was up on that cross and being whipped and beaten and like insults being thrown at him, even in that time, he said, forgive them, Lord that they they don't know what they're doing. Like, I can't, like, that is so mind-blowing to me. I don't know if you've ever been hurt before or if someone has ever wronged you so bad that, like, it just, you know, every day you think about it. And we serve a God who is so loving and understanding that he's willing to forgive people that have done the absolute worst things to him. And I think something that's also helpful, too, is just remembering that when Jesus came to the earth, he lived a life like we do. Um, He didn't commit sin because he stayed in connection with his father um, and God gave him the strength. And he is God. And so he is sinless. And so he did not sin, but he still faced all of the same temptations that we do in our lives. And I know for me that that brings a lot of comfort in knowing that everything that I go through, that Jesus went you know, face the same types of things that I do. And he was able to overcome. And just knowing that he understands where I'm at, he understands my human weakness, just means so much that it's like, wow, like you understand what I'm going through. And he's able to help us with those things because he really truly can empathize with us. Yeah, he does. And it's so, so nice to have a God that understands our helplessness. He understands our weakness. He understands our helplessness. And he's like, hey, we're not fighting this battle. You're not, you don't have to fight this battle alone. Like, I can fight for you. All you have to do is just show up <laughs> and watch me work. <laughs> and it just uh, goes into this. There's this illustration in uh, Ezekiel 16 that really paints a picture of what it's like um, to experience God's washing over us. Yeah. Did you want to read that, Lauren? Yeah, I can read. Um, so we're going to start in verse four. So I'll read verses four to seven, and then Audra will continue. So it says, On the day you were born, no one cared about you. Your umbilical cord was not cut, and you were never washed, rubbed with salt, and wrapped in cloth. No one had the slightest interest in you. No one pitied you or cared for you. On the day you were born, you were unwanted dumped in a field and left to die. But I came by and saw you there, helplessly kicking about in your own blood. 
as you lay there, I say live, and I helped you to thrive like a plant in the field. You grew up and became a beautiful jewel. Your breast became full and your body hair grew, but you were still naked. Verse 8 and 9 says, And when I passed by again, I saw that you were old enough for love. So I wrapped my cloak around you to cover your nakedness and declared my marriage vows. I made a covenant with you, says the Sovereign Lord, and you became mine. Then I bathed you and washed off your blood, and I rubbed fragrant oils into your skin. So just to recap that story, we see a child, a baby that was left uncared for, not washed, just kind of struggling in their own filth, their own blood. And this child is um, ends up growing. And while this child is growing, we see the, the speaker here, and the speaker is God. Um, he's saying, I saw you, that nobody was, you know, really had any interest in you or even, even cared for you. You were unwanted. But he said, I came by and saw you there when you were helplessly kicking in your own blood. That's like, you know, when, when we're like helplessly stumbling in sin, we keep messing up. We really have no, not even, probably not even the slightest desire to change in that moment. It might be this like life where we're just living without sometimes not even noticing the mess we're in um, until we are, have a bird's eye view of it and like, ooh, that was filthy, you know? <laughs> And it says, kicking about in your own blood. Um, and as you laid there, I said, live. So God sees our struggle with sin. He sees our helplessness. And he's, and he's watching over us. And he's saying, I want you to live. I don't want you to die like this. Um, living a life this way leads to death. But I want life for you. And as soon as he said, live, we see that this child is thriving now like a plant. Hmm. Plant in the field grew up like a beautiful jewel. And they even describe like this child going into puberty. And it's a female says saying that her breast became full and her body hair grew, but she was still naked, still bare. Um, but then I find it interesting how he goes into saying like, I passed by you again, and I saw that you were old enough for love. So I wrapped my cloak around you to cover your nakedness, and I declared my marriage vows and made a covenant with you and make you mine. Then I washed mm -hmm. you and rubbed fragrant oils on you. So I don't know, Lauren, what, what do you think he means? Like, you're ready for love. Yeah. Was she not loved before? Like, what's going, what, what is he saying? Hmm. That is a really good question. Yeah, I kind of think back to my own experience and um, mentioned this before, but, you know, even in my own life coming to know God, I, you know, grew up in the church and everything I knew about God all my life, but it wasn't until toward the end of middle school that I really got to know God personally. And so obviously I had God's love before, but it wasn't until I actually got to know him personally that I really was able to receive his love, I think, more fully. And I kind of think about the same type of thing here that I think in our, in our growth and life, you know, God knows where we're at and he knows what we need at just the right time. And so 
he always showers his love on us and he's always pursuing us and we never have to doubt that. But I think sometimes in our lives, there's a point where, um, you know, maybe we're just more open, more willing to receive what he has to share with us. And at that point, God can just lavish his love on us even more or maybe I guess he doesn't have you know certain amount of love that he can give so he's always giving everything that he has but I think it's just the way that we perceive it is differently that um, we're able to notice it and really understand it more and I love um, in these verses in verses eight and nine how it talks about being wrapped with a cloak to cover the nakedness and uh, what do you think about that part yeah I I love that part. There's so much, so much layers to this. Um, And I like what you said about, you know, being ready for love, that it's the point where we actually are ready to receive his love when we actually can comprehend, understand and be like, yeah, I need God and realize that he's actually been there saying live all this time and like has been watching us struggle and has been helping us thrive like a plant. But once we finally recognize him, we're like, oh yeah, like I, I want this. I want this love in my life. But yeah, wrapping a cloak around her, like that is, have the arm motion, just, this girl is mine. He's like saying, you're mine now. Just claiming this ownership. And, you know, right not long after that, they're exchanging marriage vows. He says that he declared his marriage vows to her. And so that like wrapping cloak around, it is, it is a symbol of marriage. It's a promise. Like you are mine. We have this commitment and he is declaring the vows and he is keeping his end of the vows (laughs) pretty much. Um, There are other stories in the Bible that mention a cloak and of of this story. I'll just mention quickly. One of them being Ruth, So she was a young girl and she lost her husband and ended up going with her mother-in-law back to her mother-in-law's hometown. And she worked in this man's field and he, his name was Boaz and he had favored her. He um, showed her kindness and her mother-in-law was like, honey, I think he likes you. I think you need to go and like show him, <laughs> you know, that you, <laughs> you know, that you're interested. And I think he would be a good person to marry. And so she goes and uh, to this, I guess, festival thing they had um, on a th- what they call a threshing floor. And she asked him, hey, would you spread your garment or spread your cloak over me or your wing over me and in that time in that day and age it pretty much was saying hey can you marry me so Ruth proposed to Boaz and now they're like ancestors of Jesus so there we go there's that image of marriage again the other story of the cloak again um, was there's a woman who was bleeding for 12 years and she went through every doctor you can think of every remedy she tried it and it just didn't work she just kept bleeding um and she heard about jesus and that he has Mm -hmm. been going around healing people and saying all of these wonderful things and finally she was able to get a hold of him and she saw him and she was like you know what i don't even have to talk to him if i could just reach out and grab the hem of his garment which is like the wing his wing his covering his cloak if i can just grab that 
I will be healed. And so she went and did that. And lo and behold, her bleeding stopped. And this is an allegory to this story because this lady here, this little baby girl was struggling in her own blood for who knows how long. She grew up and, you know, she realized her need for, for Christ, her need for God, and she was ready for love. And she reached out and touched his cloak. And at that point, he pretty much was like, daughter, your faith has made you well. And he wrapped his cloak over her symbolically didn't say that um but in my mind he did you know claiming ownership over her saying that you are mine my daughter uh boaz called ruth my daughter mm-hmm. and here's this girl in ezekiel 47 who is now being washed by her father yeah and there's um another cloak that's actually talked about or another robe that's talked about of Jesus. We've mentioned in the past few episodes about uh, we would we looked at the passage in Re- Revelation chapter three, um, where Jesus said that, you know, I'm standing at the door and knocking. And if anyone hears my voice and lets me come in, then we will have a meal together. Um, it's really beautiful. Earlier in that chapter, it actually talks. Um, Jesus is, is symbolically talking to different churches throughout time, um, speaking through symbols and things of kind of their experience. And he talks to one particular church at that time that represents the time that we're in now. Um, and he says to get from him this robe um, that he wants to he wants to cover us with this robe. And as you study that out, you understand that that robe is referring to Christ's righteousness. And it's just, it's beautiful because again, going back to this passage in Ezekiel 16, um, this girl that has been growing up, she was finally ready for love. And so he wrapped his cloak around her. He wrapped this robe around her. Um, she took something on that was of Jesus. And she was a new person. Now she entered into this covenant, this beautiful relationship with him where, you know, I'm sure her growth continued, um, you know, just getting to know him more and having this deep, abundant, rich relationship. And so Christ also invites us to to come and to take on his, his rope of righteousness. We know that there's nothing good in us. Um, the Bible tells us many times that all our righteousness is like filthy rags. So really anything that we try to do, no matter what good that comes out of our lives, isn't because of us, but because of Christ. And it's by accepting his life and his death and his sacrifice on our behalf that we're able to take on his righteousness. Yeah. And that, um, cloak that we now wear that robe it's not only is a symbol of you know christ's ownership over us but like you said it's like we're wearing his righteousness it's a clean freshly washed garment and it's it's so beautiful because after he covered her in the story of ezekiel chapter 16 he expresses his vows and says that she became his. And then he says, then I bathed you and washed off your blood and I rubbed fragrant oils on your skin. You know, you would think that, you know, you usually you will put clean clothes on a clean body, True. but <laughs> right. You know, in this case, she's still bloody. <laughs> I never noticed that. That's so interesting. She's still messy. <laughs> But yet he was like, hey, like, this is, 
is fine. Come as messy, as bloody, as like disgusting as you feel, you know, and as you look. And I will still wrap my cleanest, finest garment on you. And everybody will see that you mm-hmm. are my child. And they, will, they won't see your dirt. They will see my cleanness, my clean robe. Your dirt is not for anyone to see, but that's for me and you. Mm-hmm. And in private, in a secret place, he says, then I bathed you and washed off your blood. And then I rubbed fragrant oils into your skin. So beautiful. I love it. That's the kind of God we serve. He's not here to point fingers on us. He's not here to like put us and disgrace us for the wrongs that we've done. But he, all he's wanting us to do is say, oh my goodness. Yeah, like I'm, I'm a mess. And I want the Lord to be part of my life. I want the spirit to come and cleanse my sin. I'm tired of this mess. I'm tired of living in this this mess, this life of sin, where it just seems like this circle, you know, round circles of ongoing, repeated cycles. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to cover you with my cleanest garments and you're mine. We'll take care of that mess. I'll, I'll wash it. No worries. And I'll make you smell good. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta have the oils and fragrance and everything else. <laughs> Yeah, it's just uh, such a beautiful image. It's, I know it's passages like this, I think, that help God's love to be more tangible. Because sometimes we just read in the Bible, you know, like God is love or that he, you know, gave his son to die for us. And obviously, like, that's, that's wonderful and so thankful for the sacrifice of Christ. But I think it's easy sometimes to forget, you know, how personal God is. And like God was saying, it's like, yeah, just like coming around you and putting this, this robe um, around you like the best the finest that he has and so it's just so beautiful and I think really being able to picture these things as you're going through and reading the word as we've been talking about and the importance of that um, just really taking the time and try to visualize it I think helps so much and I know I forget that sometimes when I'm reading I'll just go through and kind of read what's there but when I actually stop and picture what I'm reading and really think about what what's going on it just makes the love of God come alive so much more. And it's just absolutely beautiful. Mm, I agree with that. There's so much richness. There's so many other stories that just highlight this story. Um, Like the prodigal son, this child like went and did the worst, squandered his father's money and like went and like lived with pigs because he he lost all of his money and ate the pig's food. Like it was just a mess. He stunk like a pig, horrible. (laughs) Like he was just like, oh man, the servants in my father's house are living way lavish lives than I am right now. And so I'm just going to go back home and just practice my apology speech. And hopefully he can take me back as a servant. Like I would be happy with, you know, being a servant in this house. He would have to accept me as his son. And when he turns back, he, his father is like out there watching for his son before like his son is even anywhere near the house. The father is already running after his son, picking up his robes already, like running towards his son, who's like way far off, probably smelling from a, a mile away how he, and looking horrible. Um, he tells his household, the father, he's like, get the finest robes that you can find for my son, put a ring on his finger, mm-hmm. and we're going to throw the biggest party and like celebrate him coming home. And so again, we see this stinky, 
son who's in his mess, you know, he just turned back home um, and didn't even like get anywhere near the house before his father was like running after him and like putting clean clothes on him. Um, and he enters into this house dressed nicely, like he's never left. And nobody really has to know the the mess that he just went through. Um, but his father saw him as his son and not as somebody who's like, did the, the worst things to him. So yeah, that's the kind of God that we serve where like, even in our mess, all we have to do is just just turn, just this little turn, turn your face, you know, look back at him and be like, man, like, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> I messed up. Like, forgive me. I feel horrible. Like I, again, here I am again, messing up again. Um, yeah. But in those moments, he's like, my child, okay I'm gonna wash it it's fine let's let's try this again well nobody has to know this is between you and me and I will wash you clean yeah so beautiful it's like when we come to him you'll never be met with condemnation like all you'll see in his eyes is love and you know we've talked before that in the bible it describes our relationship with God as a marriage um and I think we read this this verse before in the um, in one of our other episodes, but just kind of want to read it again, just highlighting um, the relationship that God wants to have with us and His willingness to cleanse us. The first one is from Ephesians chapter five, verses twenty-five to twenty-six. It says, "For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up His life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word." Like that's insane. Did you catch that? It said that he gave up his life for her, the church, which is us, to make her holy and clean. Like, that's insane that God himself would die for us to cleanse us. Like, he cares about it that much. It's, yeah, I don't know, just reading this again, I was just like, wow, I never even really paid attention to that part. But he literally gave up his life so that we could be cleansed. Like, it's that important to him. And there's another one in Ezekiel 36 verses 25 to 26. And it says, then I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. Your filth will be washed away and you will no longer worship idols. And I will give you a new heart and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I love these verses as well, because again, this isn't something that we're able to do for ourselves. We're not able to have a new heart, a new spirit. Um, it describes the person's old heart as being stony and stubborn. And we're all like that, you know, whether we like to admit it or not, we're all are selfish and have hearts that want to do things our own way and are stubborn and don't want to change. But God is saying like, I want to give this new heart, this new spirit to you. It's not something that you can do on your own, but I can give it to you. And if you just come to me, I will give it freely. Um, I will give it so willingly to you. And yeah, it's just so beautiful. Uh, I love that. And it's, it just highlights his sacrifice that he gave so much in order for us to be in moral standing, good moral standing. Um, and as you mentioned about like, he gave up his life for her. Um, it just, it just made me think of uh, again, that verse in, in Ezekiel 16, where he says, I gave you my cloak. Mm -hmm. I wrapped my cloak around you as if he covered our nakedness but he hung naked on the cross, mm -hmm. carrying our guilt, our shames, um, the very things that 
trip us, he took that in exchange for giving us his robe, his life. Exactly. And that process of being able to receive the righteousness of Christ um, is justification and is just beautiful. And I think it's a helpful reminder for us too to remember that us being able to receive his righteousness came at a cost. Um, we should have been the ones that that should have died for our sins and for the wrong that we've done. But Jesus actually did that himself, like God himself died for the things that we did wrong, even though he did nothing wrong, just so that we could take on his righteousness and that we could live a new life in him. It's just, yeah, amazing. And it's like, when you really think of it, it's like, how can you resist an, an invitation like that? And obviously this is not to say that, you know, if you're not at that place yet where you feel like you're ready to accept, there's nothing wrong with that. We all have a growing process that we go through. Um, but it's one of the most amazing, the most amazing invitation that we could ever receive. And um, yeah, it's truly an honor and a privilege to be children of God and to receive his righteousness. Yeah, it's so true. Um, and it's, it's almost as if like that washing process, that cleansing process, it is a sacred place. It is a moment that, you know, God takes his time to wash away all of those things. I don't know if you've ever washed blood away from skin or hair or, you know, it takes time. Um, I used to bathe babies um, as a part of my job. And the first bath, like after birth, you really need to take your time because like dried blood and like all these body fluids are stuck in their hair and and so it takes time to wash that stuff off and you need to do it carefully otherwise you're gonna hurt the baby like you know trying to yank stuff out of their hair like you need to use the water to soften the dirt and the time to let the water sit there so that it it loosens it up so that you're not Mm -hmm. vigorously rubbing or like having to like really yank at the hair to try to get stuff out you know so takes time and it again it's a sacred moment between us and god and he takes that time with us individually to do that process it's it's a secret place it's a hiding place and experiencing that transformation it's like you're freed from there like all the things that are kind of like booing you ickiness together like being free from that it's like you can finally thread your arms all the way you can finally like let your hair down and like swing it side to side and let the air (laughs) run through it it's like you're getting free from the things that have been chaining you down and you are like free finally um and malachi 4 verse 2 highlights to this it says but for you who fear my name the son of righteousness will rise and healing in his wings and you will go free leaping with joy like calves led out to pasture. I don't know if you caught that, wings. Um, Mm -hmm. It is also matches with the cloak idea because a hem of garment is the same word used for wing as wing. And so there is healing in that place under his cloak, under his wings. That's the secret place that that righteousness uh, that change, that process, that washing happens. And that allows us to go free, leaping like calves led out to a pasture. I don't know if you've ever seen that 
picture before in real life what one of my friends did and she was like when 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 I read this passage to her she was just laughing because she was like she could picture it because she's lived around animals before and she was like you know this is so funny because they actually hop and leap it's hilarious and then Isaiah 44 I love this passage um, verse 22, it says, I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I've scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. Yeah, these verses are beautiful. And I just think it's interesting. I, I feel like it's kind of a popular thought sometimes that it's like, oh, if you're Christian, um, you know, your life will be so boring and you're chained down. You have all these rules that you have to follow. But there is so much freedom in God. Um, you know, when you really think about it, like sin, again, these things that, that keep us from God, um, sin basically has empty promises as we do things that, you know, are bad for our bodies that go against the, the laws and um, the natural way of things working. There's consequences to our bodies and to our mental health and just our overall well-being in so many ways. And the sinful pleasures of the world, things that we look to for satisfaction, um, you know, oftentimes do give us a temporary satisfaction and temporary pleasure, but they always end in destruction. And sometimes we don't see it right away, but it might be a later consequence, or maybe we might not even experience it personally, but maybe it's something that negatively impacts somebody in our lives or other people um, as a result of our wrongdoing. And so it's just so interesting that it's like the Bible presents you know, the opposite of what I think culture often tells us, um, what God shows us in his word, the different um, regulations and, and rules that we see are not things to chain us down, but things to set us free to allow us to live an abundant life where when we're acting and, and doing different things that it won't lead to destruction and we truly will be happy and it will lead to joy and being like, you know, the calves that we just read about that, you know, just leap and hop and everything like that. They're just carefree um, because they're able to live within love. And that's basically what it is, is that God wants us to live in his love, which is not restrictive, um, but just helping us to live a better life, something that will, yeah, bring endless joy to us. And me and Audra can definitely tell you God has taken us on so many journeys, like so many journeys, even doing this oh, yeah. podcast has been quite the journey. Mm -hmm. um, and so life is definitely not boring by any means. God will take you some interesting places. Um, so yeah, I just think that that's really interesting that the closer we get to God, that the more free we become, even though sometimes it, it might not seem like that at first. Yeah, no, that's so true. Um, there's so much in store and so much treasure that is there in a life that is lived with God and allowing the spirit to just guide our lives. There's, there's days when I've prayed in the morning and been like, Lord, I want you to plan my day today. Just tell me where I should go. Lead me to where I need to go. And God has really shown himself really in, in amazing ways throughout those days. When I, when I've said those prayers, I've done, done it on my birthdays. Like, Lord, today's my birthday. Can you surprise me for my birthday? And like, without fail, like he has surprised me, like, you know, given me things. Even planning outfits. <laughs> Even planning outfits. Oh my goodness. So like God speaks to me through colors. Um, and so like there are certain colors that like 
stand out and I'm like, that's my color. I know that it wants me here at this place or it needs me to do that. And so, um, yeah, Lauren knows that because like, um, you know, I'm excited and I'm like, oh my goodness, it matches my outfit. Like the, <laughs> the gifts, like, like the gifts would match what I'm wearing and like the cards would match what I'm wearing. Oh, like it's like so ridiculous. Cool. Um, there's times when like I've woke up with like an impression that I should wear something that particular day and then like some it was like something that they would like match it and I'm like oh yeah that was God right there that was his personal touch again there's a time like we kind of did an impromptu movie with a group of friends from church and we were at like this social event and then some of us just decided to hang out afterward and like watch a movie and it just happened to be that the ones that ended up hanging out afterwards watching the movie were all wearing the same exact shade of the same color and I was like, all right, Lord, I know I'm supposed to be here. So, <laughs> so you know, he um, makes things fun. And, like, he finds unique ways to, like, you know, talk to us. And so you know, we really want people listening to this podcast and those that you can share with to experience that kind of a life where it's just exciting, where every day is, like, a little gift stored um, where, like, God is like, here you go. Like, here's a little <laughs> twist. I'm just going to plot twist this one didn't see that one coming did you and I'm like like you needed this you just (laughs) (laughs) like you needed this you know here you go and it's like wow lord I feel so cared for that he even cares for the little things there's this verse um in second corinthians chapter five um which does talk about new life um and that's the life we're we're mentioning it says either way christ's love controls us Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. I think it's cool, you know, when else in your life are you able to become a new person? We can all look back on things in our lives and wish we had done it differently. And, you know, there's even been movies of stuff like that where someone can, you know, travel back in time and change one decision or change different things in their life so that the end point is what they actually want it to happen. And it's like God actually gives that to us. It's not just something that's in a movie, but like literally Um, you know, things that have happened in the past, obviously, we know that they happen, but they don't have to be things that, you know, hold you down anymore that, you know, plague your mind, that plague your life. Um, And God says that he will forget, like, we bring these things back up, but God, um, I forget the verse, but there's a verse that says that he will take our sins as far as the east is from the west. And, you know, there's no way to measure that, like, how do you measure the direction east and west and the distance between them? You can't. And that's what God is saying. It's like, I want to remove them so far away from you that, you know, you can't even fathom or think about how far this is being removed from you. And that's what I want to do for you. And again, just goes back to the freedom that he wants to give us that we're able to enjoy this new life in him. Yeah. And I like that, like East from West, like uh, East from West, um, where it's like, there's really no limit or direction you can even, you know, try to find where where he's sending our sins it's like it's it's not like um and he kind of describes a similar way with the spirit um 
where there is no real starting point. Like when you can think of, oh, the spirit started here, this X place and time. But rather, it's kind of like a subtle, before you know it, it's like it's, it's already sprouted from the ground, kind of like that seed. We don't, we don't realize it. It's like underground work. And then like, when we realize it, it's like so much work has happened already for it's like, even visual for us to even comprehend what's going on. Um, so we have these verses from John 3, um, 5 to 8. Yeah, I can read that. So again, this is John 3, uh, verses 5 through 8. It says, Jesus replied, I assure you, no one, can no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it wants, just as you can hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from or where it is going. So you can't explain how people are born of the spirit. And there's another verse, too, in Song of Songs, um, chapter 4, verse 16. And it says, Awake, north wind, rise up, south wind. Blow on my garden and spread its fragrance all around. Come into your garden, my love. Taste its finest fruits. Mm. And so both of these verses are talking about this wind that's, um, you know, blowing on God's people. Um, in the first one in John, chapter 3, I just, I love that it says the wind blows wherever it wants it's not like a haphazard kind of thing where the wind is just kind of going. But I think to me, it just shows like, wow, God wants to blow his spirit on me. Like it's something that he wants to do. It's something that he finds delight in. Yeah. And like Audra mentioned before, you know, you can't say, oh, this is where the spirit began, or this is exactly at the point when it was received, but it's like an effortless thing. I know I've seen in my life when I've tried to change certain things or um, was seeking for God to to work in me in a special way, and as I was trying to do it on my own, I couldn't, you know, get to where I wanted to be. But then, whenever I let God really come in and His Spirit was working in me, um, it was effortless. And then I could look back and be like, "Wow, like I'm different now. I didn't even notice that it happened. It was like such a gradual change, and it's it's just really cool and beautiful how God does that." And then um, looking at the Song of Psalms uh, verse, talking about the, the young lover, the man, which represents Christ and saying, you know, for this wind to blow in his garden, which is like us, um, to spread his fragrance all around, to spread the message of Christ, to spread who he is with the world. And then he gets to come into the garden um, and gets to enjoy the fruit that's produced. Wow. Yeah. There's so much richness to those verses. And um I like what you said with, you know, the process that comes and it's the gradual process. You don't even realize the change that's occurring within you, but it's kind of like a natural process that, that just happens. And then before you know it, like people actually are like, you're a little, you're different, you know, like, yeah. what, what happened? What happened? <laughs> like, you know, there's something a little different about you. Um, and it is true. Like it's noticeable. Um, and the thing is like when, like we described it as a, a relationship, like a marriage relationship between us and God. And in a, in, a, in a relationship where you actually really love the person, hopefully that's the case in, in our relationships, but no, that that's not always the case, unfortunately. But in a relationship where you really love the person and the person really loves you, you will find joy in pleasing that person. 
Um, and so we mentioned about that like, God has um, like guidelines, has, you know, certain principles that he has spelled out for us to live by. Um, and the Ten Commandments are, are, are one of those, um, which he, also, he said, it's pretty much love God, love your neighbor, summing up those Ten Commandments, just like the underlying principle between those. And so because we have this love for him, it's like we take, we take joy in doing his work, doing what he loves doing. So in, in the great story, when Adam and Eve were created, he, he explains that he breathed into them. And when he breathed into them, they became alive. And it's the same thing here. Um, when God breathes his spirit on us, we are awakened and we become alive and we can now testify. And just by living our lives the way the spirit is literally guiding us to live, it becomes a testimony to the transformation that exists when connected to the source of life. Mm. Amen. Yeah, and as we're finishing out, I just want to again go back to our anchor text, um, Ezekiel 47, and we've been talking about the water this time and in our last episode, and so hopefully as you hear it again, you'd be thinking of the things that we've been talking about, like what does the water represent? Um, what are all these, these things, these symbols that we've been explaining? So I'm going to go ahead and again read uh, verses 1 to 5. In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. There I saw a stream flowing east from beneath the door of the temple and passing to the right of the altar on its south side. Measuring as he went, he took me along the stream for 1,750 feet and then led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time the water was up to my knees. After another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then he measured another 1,750 feet, and the river was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. Then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of the stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. So we see here the transformation work that the water does. It cleanses, it purifies. It's this working that happens within us as we take it in and we become a new creation. So the question we want to ask you, for those of you who are following along and journaling along with us or mentally journaling, um, question we want you to ponder for this week is, if you could envision a life where you are connected to God and you have experienced the transforming work of the Spirit, what would that look like for you? How would you envision that to be? Great question. You know, these are things that we also need to be thinking about too, and it's good practice for us. And so, yeah, we just invite you to take the time again to, you know, either write this out or mentally think about it um, in the next week. And we will continue on and we look forward to having you back again with us for our next episode.
Yeah. Um, next week, we will be talking about fish. They live in water and what that means. So we covered water. We're still moving on with our water theme as we go into the fish theme. Um, and so we're excited to see you next time. If you like what you just heard, we encourage you to stay up to date with our latest information and follow us on our Instagram page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And if you have any questions, feel free to leave your comments and questions on our social media platforms. We would love to stay in touch with you, answer any questions that you might have and offer whatever support we can.